Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. Now on with the show. I am super, super excited to have her with us. Uh, It is Rosette. She is a singer, songwriter, and vocal coach based in Calgary, Canada, who's been sharing her big, powerful, and technically masterful voice across North America for the past decade. With the power of Gaga, the attitude of Pink, and the old soul maturity of Adele, Rosette's upcoming single, Now, will slow dance its way into your heart. Hello. Hello. Can you see me and hear me? Yes. Great. My mouse just died and I can't Hello. see you, but it's going to come back. So as long as we're here, I'm here, you're here. Good. Well, welcome. I'm so glad that you said yes to this. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for reaching out. It's so neat connecting with, honestly, connecting with people who do what I do because I live in a city that there are obviously many, many great musicians in most metropolitan cities. However, I definitely kind of keep to myself as I've built my coaching business and my my playing at corporate events business. I'm kind of really to myself. So mm-hmm. I've that's one of my kind of failures is that I really haven't connected with a lot of people like you. So I'm glad, so glad to be here. Oh, me too. Yeah. Well, I have to say your introduction to me totally nails it because I've seen every single one of your TikTok videos. <laughs> I've listened to all of your singles on, um, uh, what's it called? What's that? What's the, that music contraption thingy? called? Spotify. I know how, what an old lady I am. <laughs> what is that thingy? I know, me too. Me too. <laughs> but your voice is incredible. Well, and you. you, like you said, you're a professional singer, you're a recording artist, but you're also a total badass vocal coach. I mean, the way that you deliver instruction, um, you know, especially in the bite-sized pieces on TikTok is just, it's amazing. And it's obviously done quite well because you have what, 500,000 followers on TikTok now? Yeah. It got spicy quickly, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I never really took advantage or really wanted to participate in social media. I am kind of a grandma in this industry in that I, I'm not going to brag about my age at this time, but I definitely know that there are people half my age who, who are hitting it. So I think that I always kind of thought, Oh, I'm, I've, I've missed the mark with social media. I'm just going to do what I do. And I never really considered what a tool it was to find my people. Mm -hmm. And by my people, I mean you, by my people, I mean fans, by my people, I mean, um, students, by my people, I mean bookers. I I really, really only scratched the surface for the majority of my career, I'm embarrassed to say, because the last year has been a blasty-poo um, connecting with everybody because of TikTok. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Well, you're a huge inspiration with that being a part of your story. I mean, it just, it just goes to tell you that um, 
it's never, it's never too late to, to do anything that you want to do. Don't count yourself out because of age or any just false, you know, limitations. Uh, so yeah, as the singing, a lot of those stories. yeah, yeah. And the singing community is very grateful to have you. Obviously they're oh, loving you. everything that you do, but let's kick things off. Give us the 2021 year in review. How did things go for you last year? And how's 2022 starting out for you? Well, I mean, I I would be amiss if I said that it's been easy. Um, you know, I personally, I feel like singers and artists and performers and musicians, we all do live performances and then we do more studio behind the scenesy things. And we generally all have a little bit of a preference Mm -hmm. of one or the other more maybe it's a subtle difference maybe it's a big difference me i really love being on stage mm -hmm. this is the thing that fills my cup i love coaching i love recording in the studio i love all the stuff but stage is what really fills my cup and reminds me why the 14 year old girl you know made the choices she made and took the path she took mm -hmm. so being having having my stage stuff taken away I was in a yucky place for mm -hmm. a, a minute. <clears throat> Obviously, you asked about 2021, not 2020, but here in Canada, it's been pretty locky downy. 2021 mm -hmm. was pretty locky downy. Um, so, what it what it evoked though is is a passion to really grow my coaching business, which led me to make a TikTok that now has eight million views. Which I, I'm not bragging. I know there's people with I'm sure billions of views, but for me, it was the most engagement I had ever had in so rapidly. Mm -hmm. So I, the reason I'm bringing that up is 2021 was hard and sad, but it led to something really bright and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell me, you know, TikTok, uh, for, for a lot of people that I've talked to on this, um, series are really intimidated by it. You know, we're, we're all willing is I, and I count myself as one of them, believe me, I spend plenty of time scrolling on it. Um, so I'm more than familiar with it, but what gave you the idea to get on there and start doing what you're doing? I actually don't know because I was quite uninterested in being involved in TikTok because mm -hmm. I truly thought that, you know, I went to a, a mentor of mine had told me at the beginning of 2020 before the pandy, he was like, you got to get on TikTok. That's where labels are going to look. That's going to be the thing you got to get on. And I was like, no, I am too exhausted with Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I can't even keep up. I don't even know. I'm not a content creator. I can't do it. I don't know what that is about. Mm -hmm. So I threw up a couple of my posts from my other socials on TikTok and it did exactly what you'd expect. Nothing, 200 views, whatever. But I also wasn't being targeted or focused. And I was told, if you're going to make content for TikTok, make content for TikTok, make a reel, make that kind of content. But I was uh, like, okay. no, it doesn't make me, and I'm really guilty of this. No, it doesn't make me money. Ah, uh, yeah. No, I don't want to because yep. there's no profit involved. And I'm too exhausted doing things that I'm trying to make profit from to go make a bunch of free crap that no one's going to engage with. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of crappy, <laughs> crappy talk that will lead me to say that one day I finished coaching a full day and I marched up the stairs and I don't know why I opened TikTok. I don't, didn't really use TikTok, but I just thought, 
man, there's this one topic that I'm so passionate about and I see myself teaching this concept over and over and I just wish the world could know that they could sing. Like you don't need to be a professional singer or want to be a professional singer to be able to use your voice in a way that feels juicy. Mm -hmm. And that feels like you're not a million miles away from the stuff you're hearing on the radio. You have the same human voice that that human person has. So I just flipped open TikTok with crappy lighting and like no makeup left of the day. And I was like, look, if you want to do this, (laughs) half the comments are like, okay, thank you, but don't yell at me. I'm sorry. Because I was like ferociously after a full day, I was like, if you want to do this, you need to, (laughs) you know, and I didn't really, I closed the app. I didn't even open it. For a, couple, for, a, for a good day. And when I opened it, I was like, what is going on in here? Why are people even connecting with this? I didn't, this isn't even thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Like, and by thoughtful, I mean, it is thoughtful. It is thoughtful. It's the way yeah. I coach, but it wasn't some planned TikTok dance that you and I in the beginning thought TikTok was about. Mm-hmm. It was me being real and honest. And that is actually what TikTok a lot is about, is real and honest. Yeah. So, hmm. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Because I'll tell you, most of the reason that I have been reluctant to go on is that I'm I'm coming from a point in time where we invested so much money and time to produce this content that was just perfection, you know, perfect sets, perfect attire, lighting, and, um, you know, and a lot of it got, you know, good engagement. But that's not really what people are looking for anymore. That's not what's really moving them. They want to see real people in the real element saying real things that aren't, you know, edited and, and uh, you know, dolled up so much. And it's just, it's such an incredible shift, you know, and it's really something I think um, we all got to kind of get in line with and, and let our guards down and just kind of allow, you know, the world to kind of see us for who we actually are. Yeah, it's wild, but I would counter that slightly with saying that people want to see content that that doesn't feel or look Mm -hmm. polished. Kind of the same thing I say when I'm coaching is when somebody is watching you as a performer or as a singer, they don't want to carry the stress of that performance. They want you to feel casual. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if you're belting or whispering or what you're doing. It needs to look easy. And that's, I think, what we like to watch on TikTok is stuff that looks easy. Mm -hmm. I'm just here to say... It isn't always easy to make content that looks easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It does, not, not everything is hard, but not everything that looks easy is easy. And that's what, again, that mindset, it's, it's, a, just, it's a different kind of polish, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Because the, yeah. it's not so much in sets and design. It's more like the people who are engaging with my content, what, is, what are they excited about? And how do I make sure that if I'm going to take up their screen, what can I say to them that actually uplifts them, that actually mm. provides them with something? So it's it's still the same amount of work that you and I ever thought socials were, but it's mm-hmm. a different kind of a lot of work is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that is so true. And um, I think a lot of it also has to do with just coming on and, uh, you know, producing that content and not trying to mold it against, um, you know, everything else that you're seeing out there. And I think that's what really caught my attention with you is that, you know, I, I haven't seen any vocal coaches delivering the way that you do, 
-hmm. You know, you, you have a distinct look, you have a distinct delivery on, you know, how you teach. Um, and it was just, it was just so different and like powerful and inspiring. And so, you know, you've, you've obviously, uh, I'm sure you've done quite a few videos now at this point, but you know, what you've come to is, um, pretty awesome. Well, I really, I'm very, very flattered to hear another singer and vocal coach tell me that I have a unique look and unique delivery because there are so many of us. And that's one of the things that TikTok has brought me is, is it really puts me in check often. Mm -hmm. If I ever have thought, anybody out there, if you've ever thought you've had a unique thought, <laughs> if you think you've discovered a, a cool thing, you haven't and, or, and, or many people also have. Right. So that is, that's flattering that you, mm -hmm. that you found my content unique at all. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, when I first started to grow my TikTok, I got shadow banned for a brief time mm -hmm. for no reason. Basically, I didn't obviously swear or have a weapon or say anything. I'm talking about singing, but mm -hmm. it happens on these, on these networks, these big tech companies. It just happens sometimes. And I was kind of panicking and I called up two TikTok experts that I found. I panicked and went on YouTube and I found two TikTok experts. And one of them told me, well, you need to go look at other vo vocal coaches and you need to go look at just the TikTok model in general and plug your information into that pattern, into mm. that mold. And I immediately felt like, I don't want to. I don't want to talk to people that way. I don't want to use sounds and dances and things. And I, there's, there's nothing against it. It's just mm -hmm. not what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. The second TikTok guy I met with, I was like, what's going on with my engagement? What's going on? And he was just like, well, this is the game. You know, I know you want to reach people. And I know you're, he said, I checked out your content. It's great. And I said, well, the other guy said I have to be in the mold and make it like a TikTok mold. And he was like, yeah, that would be a way to go. Or you can do what you're doing and find the people who are excited about it the way you're doing it. And I really connected with that. That is regardless of which thing may be more successful or the easier road, I just want to do the thing I do. That's actually maybe the problem I've had my entire career is I just want to do it my way. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I think you've landed in a good place because that's, you know, from what I'm seeing, that's what's so, you know, attractive about you is that, you know, I, I just, like I said, saw you and I thought, wow, this is, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I haven't seen anybody doing it like this. <laughs> well, I thanks. love it. Thanks. It's yeah. Fun. It's a lot of fun. So um, have you developed a strategy around producing content for TikTok or do you just kind of <laughs> do it when you're inspired or? You know, for the longest time, I really thought like, yeah, I'll just get up in the morning. I'll think of an idea. I'll poop out a video. I'll post it. I'll get on with my day. <laughs> but now that I'm like, oh man, there's like hashtags and my, my TikTok brand, if you will. Now I use a lot of images, a lot of, um, text on the screen, a lot of arrows pointing to things that are happening and it's very time consuming. Mm -hmm. So as you bring this up, I'm just realizing that the thing that I laughed at content creators for doing there's a reason they do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to be needing to take several days to a week to create enough content to last a couple weeks. That's mm -hmm. just how it's going to go down. So I am like on a treadmill groundhog day catastrophe right now, trying to keep up with content. So I'm going to have to have a strategy. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. the answer is no, I don't, but I need one. Yeah. Well, you are not alone. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's not as it's not as easy as it sounds, but uh, but you're doing great. You are doing great. Thanks. Just uh, keep doing what you're doing, and and you'll uh, you'll do just fine. Um, I'm saying that because I just you as you know, I'm in the midst of planning this um, huge online summit. And unfortunately, my VA, my longtime VA had to bow out. She had, you know, she has very good reason to do so. Um, and I, you know, I, there's there's no issue there whatsoever. But, you know, the timing was like, oh, no. Sometimes <laughs> so life is like, remember when you think, you know, you thought you, you thought you had a plan. You thought you had yes. it handled. Yeah. Yep. Good lesson. But anyways, let's, let's go back a little ways and learn more about you as a singer performer. Take us way back to the beginnings. Did you, are you coming from a musical family? How did you get your start in music? Um, I was a super, you know, I always feel embarrassed for telling the story. Like I keep leaning on a crappy part of my youth, but I was very bullied, hmm. uh, in, in elementary and junior high and, to some degree high school except I had started singing by then so I bought a few cool points by then like in a nerdy glee clubby way I think yeah but my I had a beautiful I have really beautiful parents and had a really beautiful fun childhood of french fries and feeding the swans and celery and cheese and you know my parents probably now that I have friends who have kids I can only imagine what it would be like watching your kid be spit on and stuffed in lockers mm. and really go through it that way but my mom I think I was like 13 or 14 and my mom said you know you I want to I want to give you singing lessons and I was like no mom like I'm not pretty enough I'm not good enough I'm not anything enough like x y and z girls in my class and she mm. was like you're doing it um so in a small in a small town all that was available and this is another one of my passions in a small town often all that's all available is classical mm -hmm. voice lessons so that's what there was. And she was a beautiful woman, but, you know, I was singing Mariah Carey and, you know, so it maybe just was what it was. But she said, you're going to audition. The lady said, I'm full, but I'll, I'll audition you. And she auditioned me and said, I'm full, but I'll put you somewhere. You're great. And just that even started to give me the confidence. And I did it several, I think probably six months to a year of lessons with her. And I, every time she would get up to get coffee, I would sit down at the piano and and be like, oh, I want to do these other cool songs that aren't in German. Mm, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, she was like, you should go to Juilliard. Like, you should pursue classical singing. And I was like, cool, but Mariah Carey. And I eventually left those lessons after probably a year. And my parents wheeled in an old piano they got. And I taught myself some piano, some chords. And I was like, oh, this is really fun. And I started to book little coffee shoppy things. And, you know, as a singer, when you see people moved by the thing that you're doing, mm -hmm. it's as addicting as can be. That's why we do it because we yeah. love to move people. We love to make people feel. So I guess 14, 15 years old, I kind of got addicted to the idea of sitting at a piano and reading my diary in music to people. And I just couldn't put it down. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did that um, lead you into uh, songwriting and, and recording? When did you start getting involved in that? I think shortly after I put the German down. Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I really was looking at singer songwriters. Also, the community I grew up in has a really beautiful folk fest mm -hmm. that artists came, you know, were drawn to. It's it's small. It's a smaller folk fest, but it was a really special one. So I grew up around folk music and that word is really loaded i don't know that yeah. people really all agree what folk music is um I, I mean it can be anything from celtic to americana this is more the americana singer songwritery vibe mm -hmm. and so i saw these wonderful touring artists that were just singing lyrics that were so emotive and so private and so personal and i immediately wanted to sit down at the piano and just storytell mm -hmm. So I didn't really know what was going on, but nobody really does, you know, right. nobody really does know what's going on with songwriting, especially in, in the beginning. And frankly, unless you are going to become like a Nashville pop writer, you're still just dinking around a little, mm -hmm. a little, mm -hmm. there's definitely formula. There's definitely power in numbers and all the things, but to some degree you play the chord, you sing your thing, you try and make it nice. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. And then I started playing those songs and even more people were connected. And I think, yeah, I think it all happened really early. I wanted my fingers on the piano and I wanted to find audiences when I was young. Yeah, yeah. And so now, today you've got this single. Um, it's It can be pre-saved right now. Has it? Have you actually released it yet? No, or? it is out fry dizzle two okay. days from now. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. I actually got to play it. It's a, when I went into the writing session, this is so pulls back the the curtain in a way that I would not like another artist to do because I remember Sarah McLaughlin who was one of my major loves when I was younger mm -hmm. I remember her being on Rosie O'Donnell and Rosie O'Donnell was like I love the song Adia who is Adia what is it about and she was like oh it was like a three syllable name that I thought was cool and I plugged it into the song kind of was the gist of it and I was like no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no so this song that i'm about to put out is called now and i'm just i i don't know i already i've already said this on social media so the reality is i have played some really beautiful weddings i'm sure mm -hmm. you have too and i always have wanted an offering that was unique to me and unique to that couple and just that felt a little bit more personal i, I mean it's great to have an ed sheeran song at your wedding i love playing covers like they're so fun to make my own Mm -hmm. But I really went into a writing session and said, you guys, I've, I've been booked for a lot of cool weddings and I would really like to offer these people something that's me, that's my brand, that, that, that when they say I had a live singer at, at my wedding, they can say, and she sang her own song kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So no, it, it's not a love song about me personally. I'm single AF, call me. Um, <laughs> but this song goes out to everybody who found their somebody. And when we wrote this song, we, we half laughed at how, like part of us would go like, oh, we, we can't say that, that's so cheesy. And then we would all, one of us would go like, oh, but I felt it. Yeah. Because like, you know, I've talked a lot about Dawson's Creek and Felicity and Grey's Anatomy and all these shows that growing up, that's where we, I don't know how old you are, I bet I'm older than you, but that's how we found cool music was, was Felicity and Dawson's Creek and, and shows like that. Mm -hmm. So now, when we wrote this song, it was like, that's kind of cheesy, but I think I felt a thing and I think people will feel a thing because okay. it's only cheesy if you frame it che cheesily. Right. <laughs> the, the, the concept of finding your person and sharing 
beautiful, intimate times with them is, is ageless and stageless. It's always the thing that we want. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we approached it from a bit of a clinical way, but then it came out to this really beautiful connected song. And I got to play it for this couple, this couple from Hollywood who got married here in near my city, because I live in a very picturesque place, part of Canada. Mm -hmm. And I, I pitched them a, the song and said, look, I just wrote this song. Maybe it's for you guys. And they fell in love with it. So they made the theme of their wedding now, which is the title of the song. So wow. I actually, yeah, I got How satisfying is that? Jeez. So satisfying. And the planning company was amazing. And it was in a castle and it was like snow falling on cedars. It was just like 50 Christmas trees all set up around us and like a wild experience. And they did their... Uh, first dance to it and they came down the aisle to it so the song that went from this like I want to write a, a song that maybe brides will like it these you know the, this beautiful uh, these two men got married to my song and now it feels really real and any words that were still residual cheese in my heart it's gone. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well you know what I guess at the end of the day songs take on a life of their own, you know, people adapt them and, and they, you know, they, they attach their own meaning to them. So regardless of where, you know, what space it came from, I think that's, uh, that's pretty amazing to know that you've got a song out there that touches people so deeply that they would adapt it for one of the most important days of their, you know, entire life. And, you know, those are memories that will stay with them forever. That's got to be incredibly satisfying as oh, a songwriter. It's, it's so satisfying. You know, the other thing that I've had the pleasure is maybe the wrong word choice, but I, in the beginning of my career, a lot of us are wedding singers. We do a lot of mm -hmm. weddings. I did a lot of funerals. Yeah, me too. That's did weird. <laughs> yeah. And I actually really, again, enjoyed it. I don't know how to say that in a, in a not weird way or a morbid way. And they're awful and they're sad. And I don't, I don't really understand even the context. I just know that we as singers have a tool mm -hmm. that helps people grieve. And I don't know that it brings them anywhere elevated. Like they don't come out the other side better, but, but helping someone make tears come out and helping someone feel the feelings so, so, so hard mm -hmm. that they're, they can't breathe. And like, I, I know that it's not going to be a positive memory for them, but it's going to be a vivid memory for them. And it's mm -hmm. going to be something that mattered to them. So I also wrote a song. My, my bestie's brother took his life back in 2011. And I wrote a song um, called Angel Who's Lost. And I've had the, again, pleasure is the wrong word, the honor. Right. The honor of playing this for several funerals over the years. Mm -hmm. And it is so neat to see your words here, hear your words and hear your melodies be real. Yeah. Kind of the way when we see a song in a movie, but it's realer than that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought that up because funerals are something that, you know, any singer that's involved in them probably doesn't mention it a whole lot, but that is something that I've been hired for so many times. I can't even tell you. And for me, again, word choice here, enjoyable is not the right word, but I, nothing makes me feel more, I don't know, purposeful or, you know, um, and, and satisfied is not the word either, no, but it is, it is, it's, it's like the thing I do is a real thing. It's a real yeah. tool that real people are using for real things. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's it's really amazing to to be able to be a part of, you know, again, someone's uh, a day that you know they're they're never going to forget, and to know that you can contribute even just a little something, you know, to um, you know, bring them some peace, you know, bring them some comfort. And I just, uh, you know, I love that. And I, I almost never, ever say no to an opportunity to do that. I know it's not the, like the glamorous thing that we like to brag about that we're hired for. (laughs) Here's a gross thing that I'll just take this one step grosser than we already are. (laughs) That is a crazy situation to quote pricing on. Oh gosh. Yep. I've done them free a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I just can't find it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Do I think people should be paid for their services regardless if it's a wedding or a funeral or whatever? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. The deeper I get into my career too, the more, yes, I do. I know that intrinsically. But especially in my younger years, first of all, I was so honored in the beginning that I was just like, oh my God, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for involving me in this. And then you get busier and you're like, I kind of have to like shift things around to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to yeah, do it. But yeah, quoting people a price for funerals is maybe makes my skin crawl more than many things. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what has helped me. I, I, to- I completely agree with you. Um, but some of the things that have helped me with that is number one, the one place that I am hired at more often than anything there is um, a go-between. So someone is coordinating everything. So I don't even know who the end client is until I show up the day of. I really know. So nice. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had that. Yeah. There's, so there's someone there to, you know, um, just quote the same price every single time. Then on other occasions, you know, when someone comes directly to me, having felt that pain over and over again, like, well, I'll just do it for you. But no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You know, so and and that's even with stuff like, you know, when people want you to come sing at their wedding or if they want you to come do the national anthem, that's another hard one (laughs) to have to quote. I just I ended up doing a price sheet and just like listing the different types of venues I did and, and, you know, what I would charge for those. And, um, you know, I just try to be as, I think people though, I can't speak for you. I, I, you seem like a star, like you, you are, you're a famous person in my eyes, but for me, I know people hear my quotes or see my pricing. And I think some people are like, who the hell do you think you are exactly? Like you're not a household name, but the reason I'm able to sustain you, we, us, the reason I can sustain myself as a musician is because I charge like it's my career because it's my career. Mm-hmm. So I I think some people get the pricing, some people don't get the pricing. I wouldn't be surprised to hear that my pricing is maybe higher than other people in my position. But at the end of the day, I don't know where you're at with this, but I, I would always rather play less and feel authentic and appreciated and like I'm in my light and like I'm with people who are excited about the thing I'm doing I'd rather play less any day than play a million shows and run mm-hmm. myself ragged and I've I've been that actually is a bittersweet thing in the course of my career in that I've played less live than I should have in in some aspects mm-hmm. and I've built less fan base because of that but when I do play I feel incredibly valued and I feel incredibly satisfied and I feel in my light. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. A thousand percent. That's a, a phenomenal boundary that you've drawn for yourself. And I, I back you a hundred percent on that. And that is, you know, that is probably the number one thing that I'm using this interview platform, the summit platform to talk about is this, this narrative around um, or, or how professional musicians are perceived, how the industry is perceived, because um, everybody thinks that when they receive the price, if they're not a musician themselves, they receive the price sheet of, you know, someone that they're trying to hire because they're, they're purely looking at us through the lens of, you know, well, this person two hours. Your, your yeah. entire experience is two hours. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they get to do something that they love, you know, and, and they don't understand the years of educating yourself that you've gone through, the equipment you've paid for, the training, the hours you've, you've put in to prepare for these things, um, the fact that you have to pay your bills and, you know. Uh, well, nobody would ever, I, I often say this to people, I, this is a really passionate topic for me. You know, nobody would ever question what a physician is getting paid. Now, are we saving lives? No, I'm not going to argue that. But we are both studied professionals. Mm -hmm. You've come to me because you seek to, to have an experience. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody's... We can all complain about the price of a plumber, but we also need a plumber. Yeah. So it's it really... It's what you value... Mm -hmm. If you don't value live music, then I can't be mad at you, but I don't know what to say. Like, you know, it, it all has to, it all has to make sense to everybody involved. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I, I think that I, I really think it's great that you've drawn that boundary too, because I feel like for me, if I have to defend my hourly rate or my price to you, if I have to go down the rabbit hole of explaining the whole thing to you. It's like, girl, bye, you know, <laughs> it is. And it's that terror. We, we all talk about this in any business. Yeah. People also value things that are valuable. Mm -hmm. So I can make my price low enough for everybody to afford, mm -hmm. but then it's not that special anymore. And I know right. that is a, a ridiculous psychology. Mm -hmm. And that's not why we charge what we charge. Just don't get me wrong. It's not like to, to like some psychological manipulation, mm -hmm. but, but people do, even, even if I think of my coaching pricing over the years, my gig pricing over the years, anything I've done, there is a very fine line between being affordable or not affordable, but also something people value or take for granted. People yeah. very easily we attach, we attach value to pay based on what sacrifices we have to make to have that thing. Mm -hmm. I, this is a dirty topic, Yeah. Uh, but we're all purchasers of mm -hmm. things. We're all consumers. And, and then any of us who are business owners provide business, but we are mm -hmm. all consumers. So I'm talking to me too. Yeah. If I'm going to buy a, a lighting rig, if I'm going to hire a coach, if I'm going to do something, I, I, if the person's price is really low or if the item's price is really cheap, I'm like, I don't need this paper clip. Right. Yeah. I, I want to find something that's a little, you know, like elevated. Yeah. Then if something is unaffordable, I'm like, man, I'd love to afford that one day. Yeah. And then people show up differently. Mm -hmm. 
So again, this is such, I feel gross talking about this because money is such a yuck thing, mm -hmm. but it's, it's a very real thing as a musician. It really is. And I think as a, you know, singer, musician community, we have to talk about it or else we're all going to stay stuck in this, you know, um, starving artist mentality thinking we're we're doing the honorable thing by just b biting the bullet and you know taking 50 bucks for singing for four hours it's <sighs> um it's it's it, it's not the way to step into a career like this and i think the more we talk about it the more people will understand that you're you're just my gosh you're underserving yourself and your entire community when you give these just rock bottom rates just to get the gig you know it's i mean well we have I, to train our people right we train the people who partake in our businesses mm -hmm. we have to educate them just like anything we've had to be educated on what should netflix cost netflix crave any of those things if one of those companies suddenly said well we're a hundred dollars a month we'd be like whoa the other ones are like 15 mm -hmm. or whatever we'd be like i don't know so we educate people. Yeah. Now the trick with hiring a musician for your, your average person for a wedding, for a funeral, for a party, for a whatever, they're not hiring them as often as they're subscribing to Netflix. Right. So they don't know what to expect. And you can tell, like that's, mm -hmm. it's always, I, you know, they always go, what's the price? And you're always like, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> nobody wants, <laughs> nobody knows what, you know, I don't know how you're going to receive it. You have no idea what's going to be written on this paper or this email. So yeah. it's this like, <laughs> you know, I had, I had somebody say to me the other day, oh, you know, we were, we were thinking of hiring you to play at our event and without asking me my price, without anything, just maybe we want to get you to have a band for this. Cause we have a big budget. And I'm like, you don't know what my solo price is. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, like. That's, I was just like, well, how do you even, oh, yeah. you know, there's so many of those situations that come up. I wish there was a handbook. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. It's, it's a tough topic, but you know, it's, it's gotta be discussed. And um, you mentioned earlier that um, you, you kind of have, you've got multiple streams in this business. You've got um, different hats that you wear, vocal coaching, live performance space, um, you know, recording. I'm, I bet you probably do some session work and stuff like that. Um, so is that something that you're very deliberate about is making sure that not, not all your eggs are in one basket at any given time? You know, I was just sobbing in the tub recently about how I kind of put my eggs in too many baskets. Ah, okay. Um, sometimes I feel like if I would have just really focused on something, mm -hmm. that thing could have been nurtured. Mm. However, I, I agree and I tell my young clients, you have to do everything. You have mm -hmm. to be willing to put on every hat. You have to be willing to learn how to use Pro Tools or Logic Pro. You have to be willing, you know, you just want to be a vocal coach, too bad. You just want to be a singer, too bad. You know, you don't want to learn how to play an instrument too bad mm -hmm. <laughs> to some degree, to some degree. Yeah. You know, yes, you can, you can choose to do one thing and do it very, very well. And I wish I did in, in some ways, but to make money and sustain you, especially in the beginning, wear all the hats, Yeah. wear all the hats, but it does wear you thin. Mm -hmm. It does wear you thin right now. My coaching is kind of 
mm, taking my time. Mm -hmm. But then this happens every time. Now I have a single coming out and I'm like, well, my plan was to make 16 um, pieces of TikTok content. I've made two for my single. My single. <laughs> the whole reason I got into music is because I wanted to be a singer songwriter. And yeah. here I am at the precipice with the, probably the best thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. arguably the best song I've ever put out. And I've made two TikToks and a million coaching TikToks and taught a million sessions and booked a couple events and sent out some contracts. And I've made two pieces of promotion for the thing that I apparently love the most. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it happens quite often. And it's circling back to something I said in the beginning. I, I have a bad habit of saying, what makes me money? Yeah. And until you are, I don't want to say Lady Gaga, because there are, there are musicians that, we, that aren't household names that are doing, I know them, that mm -hmm. are making brilliant incomes, making TV sync stuff. And, but as an independent artist, you're literally paying to play, kind of, not in a pay-to-play way that we're taught not to, like not mm -hmm. in that gross way, but, you know, I'm paying to have the song recorded. I'm paying for the marketing. I'm paying for all the things. And this Spotify spins will not, will probably not break me even. That's maybe a defeatist attitude, but that's been my experience for sure. a lot of years. Mm -hmm. So eventually after doing this career for a couple decades, it's hard not to lean into the thing that is profitable. Yeah, that's very true. I learned a good lesson from um, a singer named Dorian Holly, who is, he's, famously one of Michael Jackson's longtime background singers and vocal arrangers and everything. And yet, I mean, right now he's touring with uh, James Taylor. And I mean, he's, he's had a huge epic career. And um, the lesson that he taught me was because he's a money guy, you know, obviously he's obviously play, paid very well for what he does. And that's a very, very important factor for him. So, you know, I think probably more of us than you think subscribe to that mindset of like, well, you know, I, I I've got to go where, you know, it's most lucrative for me to go. That's, that makes good business sense. But then we also discussed the fact that at the same time, we are artists and the craft of what we do takes time. It takes energy. It takes, thought it takes, you know, solitude a lot of the times too. Um, and that's hard to, it's hard to break the pace of the normal, you know, everyday, you know, working life to take that time. And so he says that what he does in his life is he makes an appointment for himself to do that. And it's a non-negotiable appointment. Yeah. And so he says that he's even turned down you know, bigger opportunities than he should have, you know, to just do what he knew he needed to do. Otherwise those things just wouldn't happen for him. And well, that guy's a badass. Yeah. <laughs> he is because it's so incredibly hard to keep the balance, but mm -hmm. what he is also tapping into is like, I love coaching. Mm -hmm. I genuinely, it brings me great joy to help people unwrap themselves whether they are newer to singing or they're career singers, it is all joy for me. Mm -hmm. But it is joy because it is a craft I partake in. Mm -hmm. So if I stop partaking in the craft, I resent it. Yeah. If I don't get to have my place in the sun too, and I don't even necessarily mean audience or whatever. I just mean if I don't feel like I'm in the doing, I'm only in the showing and the teaching and the helping other people do, do the, the beautiful thing. 
mm-hmm. I start to resent something that I actually really love. I yep. do love coaching, but I can be mad at it if I stop doing the thing. Yeah. Yes, that is so, so true. You've got to have that uh, creative platform. And it is, it's it's a weird balance. And and I think uh, uh, the band that I work for, we've been together for 13 years now. Uh, and, and it's our primary thing, you know, that that's what I would consider my full-time job is, you know, working with them and, and we make those gigs a priority and everything. And, um, you know, what we do is, is cover music, you know, it's a corporate show band. Um, and that's not necessarily, you know, the most soul satisfying type of music to do. Um, there's lots of satisfying things about the job. You know, we love doing what we do, but we all know, and we all always talk about the fact that we've got to have our own creative outlets and to not to walk into this job resenting it because you've got to sing the same set over and over and over every night of the week. Don't just try not to even look at it like that. Just know that this is the job that you're stepping on stage to do and that it's your responsibility and you've got to take ownership of making sure you have that creative outlet and, and that you're, you know, serving yourself in that way too. So important. It is so important. And I'm so jealous of what you just described. Any opportunity I've ever had to lean into something steady like you just talked about, somehow my soul talks me out of it. Mm. And I end up always flying by the seat of my pants. Yeah. I end up booking a show and being like, oh, I've got a single coming out, so I better book at this venue and hopefully people will come. I haven't really rehearsed it, but it's going to be really intimate and we're just going to... And it's fun. Yeah. But I see you. And it's just funny. You're just like, well, it's gets a bit monotonous, but it's so really steady and important. And I'm like, well, I never know what the hell I'm doing. I just kind of show up with my iPad and hopes that there's people there. Uh, but it's stressful, but it's, it's okay. And it's just, it's two very, very different approaches. Yeah. Uh, which speaks to my personality and just speaks to my style. But I yearn, especially the older I get, the more I yearn for what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. What is your, what is your live performance space? What kind of live gigs do you usually do? Oh man, I'm going to sound like a lunatic when I bring this conversation back to money, when you just asked such an organic question that has nothing to do with money. But (laughs) what I'm going to say is I've played solo for so many years. Okay. And in the beginning it was because I grew up in a small town and didn't have access to great musicians, Mm -hmm. two two, two musicians, two musicians, just, it was a small town of 8,000 people. Mm -hmm. Um, so I got used to playing alone mm-hmm. and I got used to taking all the monies. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to share um, the monies. <laughs> it's a little, yeah. So it, that actually, that piece of my mindset is part of, I, I feel like this is a hundred ways Jen has held herself back with crappy thoughts around money interview, but I do love playing solo because mm-hmm. I really love the Sarah McLaughlin-y storytelling aspect of it. Not that Sarah McLaughlin played solo shows. She didn't at all. But mm-hmm. it's very much that singer-songwriter at the piano vibe. I yeah. really love to storytell a lot. I really like to talk about the songs I've, I've written. Or if it's a cover song, what has led me to bring it to the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm long-winded. Surprise to nobody who could be listening to this. Uh, and I do play solo a lot. Sometimes I'll play in a duo with a guitar player. Uh, I really love singing harmonies and having harmonies with me, but because I'm so busy with coaching, I also don't allocate a lot of rehearsal time, which means solo. Sure. Yeah. 
Interesting. And, and t- well, let's talk about your coaching practice too. I want to make sure that we, you know, give that plenty of time. Um, are you, uh, just independently coaching or you work for a studio or how does that work for you? I am just me. Um, I've been coaching for 15 years mm-hmm. out of my home studio because of TikTok, it has grown, it has grown. And now my clients are very international, which is tons of fun, but crazy dealing with time zone. But I really like being independent in that. And I don't know, I haven't really explored working at a company, but I really like not being beholden Mm -hmm. to any plan. I work incredibly organically. And maybe we all say that. I don't know. You know a lot more voice coaches, I think, than I do. But I like to be able to, to... go face to face with somebody and say, let's make noise and see where it leads us. Mm -hmm. Let's see what matters to you. Let's see what sticks out to me and where that meets in the middle and let's move from there. So I don't want to have a lesson plan or anything that I have to do. Yeah. 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 What kind of singers do you like to work with? Man, I love that. What is, who, who is drawn to me? This is so bizarre. I really, really didn't know who would be drawn as I continued making TikToks. And it is friggin' everyone. I've worked with a touring artist who I admired her work before she ended up on my screen, who mm-hmm. I now know is using my iPhone warm-ups I gave her on her tour. And then I love working with beginners who are, for example, a mom who it's on her bucket list and she put it aside so her, her kids could have all the things. Mm-hmm. And finally, she's arrived to a place where she's financially and has time and all the things to show up for herself. So yeah. the total gamut makes my days incredibly interesting. Yeah. So it's probably, it sounds like it's a lot about just chemistry and, you know, who, who vibes with you. Yeah. That's the cool thing about TikTok is people have a, they have an inclination of what they're going to get. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be a shock for them if I'm loud and animated. <laughs> they were probably prepared for that. So yeah. it draws people in who... I think 99% of the people who have come to me from my socials have been so vibey and so cool. Mm -hmm. So cool. Yeah. That's just, to me, that is just one of the biggest gifts from the pandemic is the opportunity that it gave voice teachers, you know, so many, you know, purely would do um, in person vocal coaching and wouldn't dream of doing that sort of thing online, but we didn't really have a choice. You know, you had to get with that program and now, um, you know, having an outlet, you know, or having a platform like TikTok that's, you know, put you on the map just nationally, internationally, and then being able to, you know, technically be able to coach online. You're not, you're not just limited to your local area. You know, it, it just, it gives, you know, it's such an opportunity. And it's also, you know, talking about the gross pricing thing again, it takes that factor of, I have to, I have to be able to offer hometown pricing to everybody who calls me in the neighborhood, you know, to the fact that like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm not the neighborhood voice coach. I'm international voice coach yeah, who that's actually been challenging for me, really challenging because I love my peeps. Yeah, I love the peeps that I've had the opportunity to work with, but it is 
so interesting and satisfying and pleasurable to meet these people from all over the world. You know, I'm in, I'm in New York, Spain, Italy, and Greece in the first half of my day. Like that's mm -hmm. fun AF. Yeah. I, I can't help it. It's just really fun. You know, helping people sing if they want to sing an English song and appear to have no accent. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. That is just a lot of fun. There's just no two ways about it. And people who happen to have a piano in their home who, who are like, oh, no, 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 no. I have no intention of using that. I'm like, we're about to use it. Sit down. <laughs> you know, and just showing people pieces of them that they didn't know lived inside of them. Yeah. Because, because and the reason I'm saying this is in the beginning of my career as a coach, as we, as many of us did, we said, who would like to sign up for annual coaching mm -hmm. forever? As long as you love me and I love you, we're going to meet here and we're going to do this. And now I also have been forced to really think, am I serving people? Mm. Am I growing this person still? Yeah. What are we really doing here? Mm -hmm. Are we still doing something? Because sometimes the answer is yes. But I've not really asked myself that constantly mm -hmm. over the years and i think it's important yeah mm. well everybody's lucky out there we're all grateful that you put yourself out there on TikTok, and now so many people are you know exposed to you and and um you know some get the benefit to actually work with you so that's amazing i am i'm posting your links in the chat right now. And I really want to encourage everybody listening that if, if you're not familiar uh, with Rosette yet or her music, go to any one of these and you're just going to be blown away. Your voice is insane. It's, it's amazing. I love your teaching technique. I love your original music. It's, it's um, really, really fabulous. And um, then I have to also say that not only are you a guest tonight, you are one of the speakers at the Unstoppable Singer Summit this year. Oh, and sorry. I am thrilled to have you on board with that. Um, can you give like a little snippet of, you know, what you're, what you'll be presenting on? Yeah, I think I'm going to, I always like to talk about the, the big voice, the big juicy voice. Mm -hmm. And I think that what, the way I'm going to formulate this short talk, because I'm so long-winded, God help me. <laughs> uh, is what are what are the little things that make big voices so big and juicy? Why do we feel like we're going to cry when we hear somebody do? Don't wanna fall in the fire. Is it also because that sounds like they're crying? What mm. are the little things that singers are doing that evoke emotion and that and that make the big picture so fat? Yeah. Because it's, you know, I can yell at people all day of use your yelling voice and use your talking voice. And that gets us somewhere. Yeah. But then what about the little things that differentiate Jesse J from Adele, from Lady Gaga? What <laughs> techniques are they all using that work every time? Yeah. What do they each do that is incredibly unique to them? But what are the little things? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, I can't wait to hear that. I can't wait. At the top of our interview here, I posted um, a link to the summit. So if you want to come 
and listen to her presentation, just click that link and register for free, show up live. And, and we're going to have um, her and 35 other incredible speakers. It's going to be an amazing time. Oh, before I forget to do this, I want to uh, acknowledge someone in the comments here. I think it's Dylan. Maybe he says, we love you, Rosette. Oh, I th that's Dylan. I, that's a, a former student of mine who is a, a singer songwriter and independent artist himself. So I, that's really, really lovely that he's tuned in. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so much here. for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review to stay up to date with the unstoppable singer and get all the behind the scenes content. You can follow me on Instagram at unstoppable singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career.